Hi and welcome along to this week's episode of Canna Chat, where we casually chat about all things cannabis related. We appreciate you tuning in. All views expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and in no way medical advice. Hi guys and welcome along to episode 7 of Canna Chat. I'm joined again by Tim today. Hey, how's things? Oh good, it's been a while Tim, how's things with you all good? Yeah, not so bad. Good, good, good. Um, first thing I wanted to sort of touch base on this week was uh, big news for Thailand. Came, was released there last week where their government's actually going to... Their government's always been very anti-drugs and anti-cannabis, as most countries' governments have been. But they've had such a turnaround this last week that they're actually giving away cannabis plants to their their, their citizens. Uh, they're giving ci- them away? Yep. They're actually going to deliver one million cannabis plants to their citizens, to their door, um, and giving them the opportunity to grow, grow their own medicine and learn how to utilise that medicine themselves. And when are you moving? I've, 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 I've booked flights, but don't be telling the <laughs> wife. I'm trying to keep it all hush <laughs> um, But seriously, it's such a good system. And it's a new system that seems to be the way they're doing it. The way they're doing it's fantastic. They're decriminalising is what they're doing, but there's going to be no monopolisation through that now because what it helps is a small batch growers we discussed before who do things with passion and have a passion for helping people genuinely in this industry. It gives those people an opportunity to thrive and to shine in the industry because the big businesses and big conglomerate that's coming in to the industry now in Thailand, they will have to be regulated by the FDA, um, as most countries do when they do cannabis medications, where the small batch growers and the small, small businesses aren't going to be regulated by the FDA, which gives them a chance to, to get ahead of the game and get an opportunity to thrive in the business. Um, I mean, it's safe enough what they're doing, so that, that a lot of stuff shouldn't be, need to be regulated by the FDA, but the bigger businesses are going to be regulated because of the, they're providing on such a big scale. So there will be more chances of mishaps and things they get. But for small batch to deal with small batch customers on that scale is fantastic. They actually deal with things on a on a more community type basis, I think, to where maybe someone's granny will have an issue and they'll be able to contact someone to know, well, we know such and such who knows a lot about cannabis medicine, go around and see him and they'll sit and describe their ailments and th- that person who has the knowledge and who has been studying cannabis for many years will be able to help them rather than a lot of systems in a lot of countries where, like the UK now for toxic, where it's medicinally legal. A lot of doctors now are able to prescribe it and not just get it to anybody. A lot of them do have knowledge in cannabis, but most of the, the, the doctors that start were given clearance to start prescribing cannabis didn't have any knowledge in cannabis at all yes they have knowledge on your ailments on your backache on your anxiety on whatever ailments you want to be prescribed cannabis for but as regards strains and types of cannabis for that ailment it's blind knowledge a lot of time and a lot of time they're just reading from a sheet to see which medication to prescribe for that ailment to me it takes a lot of first-hand experience of working with cannabis and cannabis medicines to see what benefits you're getting from certain strains and how well that works out for certain people as I say, certain strains will have certain benefits, but again, it's down to the individual person of how that strain works with them. It may work different with certain people, even though they've got the same condition. So to me, that gives those small batch people who an opportunity to work with those people hand in hand who actually have the knowledge to where, like I say, a lot of doctors sometimes I think are blind prescribing. Um, that caused a lot of time for trial and error to where maybe someone has prescribed something that doesn't work for them so they have to wait three to four weeks as i said before before they get prescribed something new prescribe that something new again that might not be the right medicine for them so it could be another three four weeks where if they're working with someone who's been studying cannabis for many years who knows the ins and outs of the terpenes the flavonoids the different cannabinoids in the plant knows how they work with people then it's a less of an elimination process i think and you can get keying in the right medicine for the right person a lot quicker
Speaking on the, what the government will gain from this, the government are expecting to gain at least 10 billion baht a year from revenue from this, from legalising it, doing it that way. And that's still giving the small batch growers and the small batch community an opportunity to earn through this and to help people through this. But through the big conglomerates, they still expect to earn about 10 billion baht a year through revenue, which is fantastic. So everybody wins out of the system. To me, that's the ideal system is decriminalisation. Um, I said before, a push for legalisation in the UK. The only reason I push for legalisation is because I think legalisation is the first step towards decriminalisation in the UK. If I push for decriminalisation directly, but don't believe we'll ever get it. Where I think of a push as we have done for medicinal cannabis first, then we can see benefits coming from it, but then the government and so on can't deny the benefits coming from it. Then we can push towards decriminalisation to give everybody a first shot at using the medicine as a cheaper rate as it can rather than having to pay out big big money to medicate themselves which again a lot of people are having to do in the UK at the minute because it's you're able to get prescribed cannabis yes but it's all all private at the minute it's really hard to get prescribed through NHS so anybody's being prescribed yes it's great they can get prescribed cannabis they can use it freely and legally but they're still being discriminated against where they have to pay money for their medication where people can go to the NHS and be prescribed opioids for the same problems for free so th- I think that needs to be balanced out a wee bit. But again, through decriminalisation, that would all be resolved. I think the way to finally sort the whole problem out in every country is decriminalisation. At the end of the day, it's a plant. So it, it should be allowed to be grown freely, just as you should be able to grow any other plant, plant freely. It's like I say, everything can be abused. So yeah, responsible adults just have to be responsible. Um, I don't see why we can't be trusted to be responsible adults when we're over 18. Excuse my ignorance, Lee, but what is the difference between decriminalisation and legalisation? Well, legalisation is all kept under control um, the way it is at the minute, so it will all be kept under control by government and big business. But decriminalisation basically means that the plant is seen as having no dangers. So it's seen, it's seen as being part of nature as it should be. Um, so there will be no laws against it. Uh, it'll be basically free use for humans for human consumption and um, if you want to grow a plant you should be able to grow a plant because it's nature as we say and um, it's all down to the process and after that so legalization as i say is kept in, in control by big pharma and big business that's the main difference where decrim- decriminalization will help put things into the hands of the people and um, like i say the people that have worked so hard in the background over all these years helping people learn about cannabis and so on those people will get an opportunity to thrive in decriminalization where legalization they will not get an opportunity because big pharma and big business will sew everything up from the start and that's what's happening at the minute through most countries and that's why decriminalization is key decriminalization should be the way to go it is what it it's in the title it's just decriminalizing cannabis it's saying look it's not something people should be, be, be put in prison for using it's not something people should be discriminated against for using and again that's part of the problem now with the medical cannabis in the uk there's certain people being discriminated against now for driving with medical cannabis again it's a gray area that you could argue all day and um, the thing about it is there's people out there driving daily on opioids on benzos on all these other medications that give side effects and give side effects it can be a lot worse than cannabis the other side of the coin is that you can build a tolerance to cannabis and THC quite rapidly too so what's to say that someone that's medicating with cannabis is disorientated or too disoriented to drive that should be a sobriety test to, to judge that it should never be a THC saliva sample or a blood sample they've actually proved in recent studies there that the levels don't come into play whenever you're you're comparing against different people because as I say, people's tolerance level is different. Someone that's been using cannabis for 10, 20 years could maybe take 200 milligram of THC 
and jump in a car and drive fine, perfectly fine. Um, somebody else can maybe take 200 milligram THC and we're walking sideways to get to the car and barely get into the car because they're, they're stoned off their head. That's the truth. So you can't discriminate against everybody the same. And I think that that's, that's going to have to be addressed. They're trying to figure out a way to address it now. My advice for anybody with a medical cannabis prescription being stopped in the UK and being discriminated against for driving is that you're entitled to drive if you don't feel disorientated. If you feel disorientated, you feel side effects from your medicine that's making you feel tired, feel disorientated, feel out of sync, then don't drive. Common sense is the same thing if you felt that from diazepam. If you're prescribed diazepam from a doctor, you feel disoriented, you wouldn't jump in the car and drive. But if you're taking diazepam on a daily basis and have been for two, three years, then your tolerance is built and you're taking your diazepam, it's helping your ailments, but it's not giving you the side effects of feeling disoriented. Then, of course, you're going to jump in your car and drive because it's your medication from your doctor. It should be exactly the same mechanism. People shouldn't be discriminated against for using it. Again, to what, to what we're saying about legalization, decriminalization, Tim, uh, I'm glad you asked because at the minute, We've got legalisation to a degree medicinally and then we've got legalisation with low THC strains throughout throughout the industry. Um, has been below 0.2 as you know for THC for CBD industry. But when they try and put these legislations into place for different ways to, to market CBD, it doesn't always work. They've tried over the last four or five years I've been in the industry with CBD, they've tried to regulate it. So many different times, so many different ways, but so many different companies. First of all, it was the Cannabis Trades Association. Then it was on the Hemp Trades Association. It was on different associations. It's bouncing from one to the other. Nobody knows who to who to believe, who to trust, who to have to go through by law. Again, CBD regulations. There's no real strict law. You have to you have to sort of follow advice, and that's the truth. And that's why there's so many people selling things that shouldn't be in the industry still. But then that 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 proves that it's not done right, and that the industry isn't regulated correctly then they've just tried to regulate the novel foods act again um with all the cbd companies in the uk and trying to get them all to go through this new novel foods act but it's been a shambles from day one this has been ongoing now for probably got to be years been ongoing and it's just found one flaw after another flaw after another flaw and there's so many companies can't get through and there's no reason these companies shouldn't get through because they're they're the quality of products first class it's passing all the chromatography tests everything's on point their levels are on point there's there's no toxicology problems with it so all these products should get out there but again i think it's it's proven how big business and big pharma can take control of this again because it seems to be the big businesses with the big money that seem to be getting passed first the same as it was for when Amazon started letting people sell CBD again. It was the big businesses with the big money were slipped through. Um, the big businesses, small businesses were just turned away. Again, we're back to how decriminalization would benefit the small batch people and the people who actually put the effort into this industry to learn. Um, again, that's just showing the flaws in it. And that's why decriminalization is key to me again. So legalization is kind of like... We still are saying that this thing is an illegal product that we're going to allow in certain circumstances, whereas decriminalization is t- saying it's no longer illegal. That's that's wrapped up probably, that's probably wrapped up quicker and easier than I wrapped it up, certainly, Tim, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much, I would pinpoint it to that, yeah. That's what it is. I mean, it's just decriminalization, as what it says, just takes that criminal element away, where legalization is just what they say. They're saying, look, this is still dangerous. It's still something you, we shouldn't really let you have, but we're going to let you have it because... We're nice like that. <laughs> um, that's what legis- legalization is. And to me, it's, it's, it's still wrong because to me, it's a natural plant. It grows in the ground. It's, it's, 
I mean, you've Christian groups behind this now because they believe it's God given. They believe it's what Jesus used all those years helping those people. And it was magic oil and magic plants was cannabis. So how can this? How can they restrict that from us? It, it, it's wrong. It's it's morally wrong, especially when there's so many benefits from it. it it's definitely morally wrong. Um, so it has to be addressed. Like I say, when it's the only medication will help so many people, it's hard not to get angry. Um, like I say, there's there's people suffering a cancer out there and people dying a cancer out there who who shouldn't be suffering and dying the same. Um, same a lot of other ailments. People, kids with epilepsy suffering, shouldn't be suffering to the degree they are. Um, some of their parents can't afford private prescriptions. They maybe they can maybe get what they need in the private prescription, but they maybe can't afford that. So it's still discrimination. Where decriminalization would just strip all that away. To where if they couldn't afford to do it, Maybe their neighbour who's growing a wee bit of cannabis can help them and help the child. Do you know that's that's the truth of it? And people can get that community spirit back again. It's, it's like we talked about before about the cannabis community. That would just elaborate in the the real society, and that community would just grow and grow because people are doing things for each other and helping each other. And to be honest, that's probably what's missing in society a lot of the times now is that help from your neighbours and your friends. Half of, half of people don't know their neighbours and their friends that sort of thing is the type of thing that brings that back is helping people and if people are able to help people on a small scale like that then there's so much more value in it than someone going to boots and buying a medication and going home with it there's so much more value in that close personal care from people and like I say those people with that close personal care are the people with the knowledge that have been studying cannabis for decades do you know what I mean they're the people that deserve to do well out of this because they are the people that have that genuine personal care for people and want to help people and like I said, that should always be at the forefront of this industry. No matter who's in the industry, that should be your priority is helping people uh, make money clearly as a secondary. Just to elaborate a bit more on how it's other people are recognising this now. John Campbell, who's the Chief Inspector of Thames Valley Police, actually this week called for decriminalisation. So there is actually people on the right side of things that are actually calling for this as well. It's not just cannabis advocates like myself. There's people in the police force and in the government bodies that actually see that this is going to be beneficial and see how at times now especially after all this COVID when people are now starting to look after their own health a wee bit that this is beneficial and this is a time now to really address this because cannabis can benefit so many different ailments and that's one thing we're going to touch base on a wee bit in this podcast over the next next lot of weeks and months here is certain ailments and how cannabis can help certain ailments when we pick one for each podcast and address how we feel it can help as I say I can't give medical advice but I can certainly spread knowledge to, that I've learned over the last lot of years of how certain ailments can be helped with certain strains of cannabis and certain terpenes and flavonoids and whatever the case may be. Just touching on that point about the uh, head of the police wanting to mm-hmm. decriminalise, mm-hmm. I can imagine not only, hopefully he has you know the right intentions behind that, but like his budget alone for pissing around chasing after people surely would be a, a massive element of that. That is his main point of this, is the wasted resources on this. And the wasted resources has been for years on this. Do you know I mean? imagine what that actually is in figures. Like. It would be scary. I know you like your stats and I wish uh, I'd have pulled it up mate, for you, Tim. No, no, next but time, sorry. honestly, we'll, we'll maybe will pull that one up because it will be quite scary. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, that that's what he said. The amount of time wasted on, on cannabis and the resources wasted on is mind-blowing between busting people's houses, lifting people for a joint. It's one thing after another. Do you know what I mean? There's so many things. There's people out there who are genuinely helping people with cancer with make, by making full extract cannabis oil and RSO and things like that. Those people are chasing those people. And those, at the end of the day, those people are helping people medicinally. There's no reason to chase those people. They're, they're not out to make money. They're not out to tarnish some kid's future by 
making them consume too much THC and forcing it down his throat. No, they're out to help people who are genuinely sick. They shouldn't be discriminated against. Again, that those type of people are the people I'm talking about that should thrive in the industry and do deserve to thrive in the industry because of the people with genuine passion and, and comp- compassion for people with health issues. So in relation to what I was saying about covering certain certain ailments and certain conditions every week, um, I'll touch briefly on ADHD this week. Um, there's a lot of talk that cannabis can benefit ADHD, but it needs to be the right strains. A lot of people are trying to benefit it with high THC strains and such. Like, that's the wrong way to go from what research tends to suggest. Um, research points to the fact that a low THC or one-to-one CBD THC strain would be best for people with ADHD. But also, it would need to be a strain high and low in certain terpenes, okay? So it would need to be low in myrcene, which is a very tarant terpene. Um, but it would need to be high in lexapinine terpenes and beta-carophylline terpenes. Um, these are terpenes that will sort of give a lift in mood and give focus. And that's that's the whole thing about ADHD. You want to help give that focus. The, the other problem a lot of people have when they're trying to treat ADHD with cannabis is the fact that they're consuming too much or on not a regular enough basis so that what what suggest what research leads to suggest is that the best way to treat adhd is about 2.5 milligram every 90 minutes so your micro dosing cannabis is the best way to do it but as i say it needs to be strains high in pinings and beta carophylline things that got terpenes along along those lines so it'd be like your cookies and your blue dream would be two fantastic strains for people with adhd um again it's trial and error for certain people but in relation to what should specifically help them, they would be the two strains that would have the, the terpenes and the, the cannabinoid profile that would be very good for people with ADHD. Cannabis can also be used alongside other prescription medication that people with ADHD get because a lot of the prescription medication that they get are stimulants and they will give a lot of jitters and a lot of fatigue. The, this cannabis can help with the jitters and the fatigue with the people with ADHD so it can be used alongside their own medication too because again sometimes cannabis isn't a miracle drug all the time it doesn't just eradicate everybody's ailments as I say it helps ADHD it won't always eradicate it so sometimes you still have to use prescription medication alongside it but alongside it it will help those jitters and the fatigue comes from those prescription medications so again it's another benefit of it but again it's trial and error for yourself and that's what everybody using cannabis is going to have to do a lot of time is a wee bit of trial and error with certain terpenes and certain cannabinoids and certain levels of THC and CBD to see what works for them but as a general rule that tends to be what is beneficial for ADHD because the problem with ADHD is that people are low on dopamine and when you're consuming cannabis cannabis can create as you know help create your own anandamide and anandamide raises your dopamine levels it causes your neurons to fire and then actually increase your dopamine levels so when you're using cannabis your dopamine rises and that's that's again that's the problem most people with ADHD they're low on dopamine a lot of studies also tend to suggest that people with ADHD should try and get exercise quite a lot because exercise, again, increases your dopamine levels and your serotonin levels, but it'll also help you create your endocannabinoids and an anandamide. And anandamide, again, helps to give you that lift in mood and give you that focus. And that focus is what a lot of people with ADHD seem to need. So I were touching briefly on different cannabinoids and terpenes. We'll, we'll go into what a lot of people are questioning at the minute. Um, there seems to be a lot of a lot of hype and a lot of speculation a lot of questions tim over minor cannabinoids and um, minor cannabinoids is basically just ones that are less recognized and um, likes of cbd cbg are highly recognized now thc are highly recognized but anything else is pretty much classed as minor cbc cbn excuse me all these other cannabinoids seem to be seem to be classed as minor cannabinoids There's new minor cannabinoids that have been in the industry, especially in America. Not so much here, but they have they have touched into the UK. There is people 
certainly distributing these products throughout the UK, um, but not in the scale they are in America, certainly because of the legality in America. Um, a lot of them were legal here last year. A lot of them, they've closed the loophole in a lot of them over the last year. Same in America. They've tried to close the loophole time and time in the last lot of months, I would say, in America. They've tried to close close these cannabinoids down through certain hemp loopholes. The thing about it is a lot of these cannabinoids are created through hemp. So through the legal loophole, they're they're legal because they're not through the cannabis plant. The says because it's below 0.2 percent THC. Okay, so these cannabinoids would be the likes of delta eight, delta ten. You may have heard of THCO, HHC, and um, they're all different cannabinoids that are in minimal amounts in cannabis plants and in the hemp plant. Companies do liquid chromatography analysis methods and then create chemical reactions that changes one cannabinoid into another. So when they do that, they can change CBD into Delta-8, Delta-10, things they got just through chemical processing, chemical reactions, okay? Um, say though, all these cannabinoids are true cannabinoids. They do exist in the cannabis plant, but they exist in such minimal amounts is the reason they don't extract and isolate them that way. Sometimes they do extract and isolate them that way through certain strains. You can get them... You can get the levels up to where you need, but most of these cannabinoids, it's easier for these companies just to synthesize it and, and get it to react and change from one cannabinoid into another. So they'll generally, to create Delta-8 and Delta-10, they'll generally create that from CBD, okay, through a chemical process. That's usually fine, but the problem with it is it can leave a lot of byproduct if it's not done correctly. So if someone who isn't educated right or doesn't even have the right equipment will leave a lot of byproduct in it, and the problem is that byproduct might not be safe for human consumption so this is a problem with a lot of these minor cannabinoids it's not that the minor cannabinoids aren't safe they seem to be safe enough um, they've got a lot of medical benefits too but the problem with it is is if it's not the process isn't done right you're left with a lot of these byproducts and these byproducts is where a lot of problems are coming from and why a lot of these minor cannabinoids are getting bad name plus it's tend as, as you've said before tim as, as humans we tend to get greedy with a lot of these things so what the, what they're doing is now they're creating different cannabinoids and they're trying to get as as most psychoactive cannabinoid as they can. Okay, so it started off with Delta Eight. Delta Eight THC is similar to Delta Nine THC. Okay, but it's a lot more mild, so it wouldn't have the paranoia and the psychoactive properties that Delta Nine has. Delta Nine can make a lot of people paranoid and things like that if they consume too much. Delta Eight doesn't seem to do that. So with people that get anxious using cannabis, this just eradicates that. They can get it. You can use it for the health benefits, but they won't get that paranoia they get with the Delta Nine THC. So if someone needs THC for benefits, Delta Eight could be a prime, prime cannabinoid for that rather than Nine because you don't get that edgy feeling. Okay. Then Delta Ten. Delta Ten again is it's also less strong as than Delta Nine. What they done next was they started combining Delta Eight and Delta Ten to get something that wee bit stronger, wee bit closer to Nine. Um, that still it suits a lot of people because it still doesn't reach that Delta Nine peak. Um, the closest we've got to Delta 9 is HHC. HHC is just past Delta 8 and Delta 10 as regards psychoactive strength, but it's just below Delta 9. The one that actually targets and it's classed as level with Delta 9 is HHCO. Okay, it's the one that's been done after HHC. All these cannabinoids have just been they've been discovered long time ago, but they've only really started being worked with this last few months. After HHC, you've got THCO. THCO bypasses Delta 9 as regards psychotropic effects, okay, so it's stronger, it's a lot more psychoactive, it's three times more psychoactive than Delta 9 itself, okay. After THCO, you've got THCP, THCP is 10 times the strength of Delta 9, so this is where they're going with this, I don't like the 
I don't like where they're going with it, don't get me wrong. To me, there's no need for it. I mean, Delta 9 is as psychoactive as anyone needs. If it's not as psychoactive as, as you feel you need, then use more of it. Do you know what I mean? Don't start creating too much synthetic. I mean, you're heading towards the road of synthetic cannabinoids now yeah. by by playing around with the science too much. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I understand these are natural, but you can only play with them so much. You start going too deep, you're starting to create artificial products then. And, and that's where the grey area is. That'll take me briefly on the question I got asked this week by one of the followers. They asked, what's the difference in spectrums in cannabis? Uh, by that, they mean... There's kind of CBD oils sold as full spectrum. There's CBD oils sold as broad spectrum, and then there's CBD oils sold as isolate. We had touch base and isolate and distillates before. How I've got a broad spectrum distillate we use for products, but it was someone wants us to elaborate a wee bit more on the, the main differences and why one's called full spectrum, why one's called broad spectrum. The isolate, as I explained before, is just one cannabinoid. So if you buy a product with an isolate, it is strictly just that cannabinoid. So if it's a CBD isolate product all you're going to find in that is CBD. Okay, now if you go on a broad spectrum product, you will find CBD, you will find CB trace elements of maybe CBG, maybe trace elements of CBC, CB, CBG, different cannabinoids in there you will have trace elements from. You go on the full spectrum, full spectrum is exactly the same as broad spectrum, apart from the fact that there's THC in it. Now in the UK, if it's full spectrum, it will be trace elements of THC, so it will be 0.02%. So it will be trace elements, but it's enough to call it full spectrum. That's the only difference. So the difference between full spectrum and broad, broad spectrum is the fact that broad spectrum doesn't have THC, but it has all the other flavonoids, cannabinoids, and terpenes that full spectrum has. That's the only difference between the two, okay? And as I say, isolate is usually just an inferior product just with one cannabinoid. The only reason you would use isolates is if you want to increase a product, the benefits of a product, okay? So that'll pretty much wrap us up for this week's podcast, I believe. Um, We'll hopefully catch us in this next few weeks again. We're going to change the the makeup a wee bit of the podcast. We're sure we're going to discuss that here over the next few weeks. Um, as I say, we're going to int- certainly introduce one ailment every week that we believe can be benefited from cannabis and how to benefit that ailment. Um, and again, another thing we're going to change up is we're going to introduce a few guests onto the podcast. And we're hoping to have a, one of those guests on in the next week or two here. So I look forward to that. Um, and he's actually one of our sponsors, so I, I am anticipating that quite a lot and do look forward to it. So again, and if you've enjoyed this, if you'd like to click like and follow on the subscribe on the YouTube there and follow us on Spotify and t- of course tell your friends if you enjoyed it and spread the word, we'd appreciate that. And again, Tim, thanks very much for joining me again. It's Thank you, Lee. Been a I'm, pleasure as always. I'm much more informed as always. And just a quick thing, I noticed on Spotify just yesterday, they, they now have a rating system. So if anyone would like to go ahead and rate the podcast as well, that would okay, be fantastic. helpful. We certainly would. Again, like to reiterate what Tim says there, if you could do that, would be very much appreciated. And we'll catch you again soon. Thank you very much. Watch the full video podcast on YouTube at Kaput Network. We'd like to thank you for joining us for this week's episode. We'll catch you again soon for some more Canna Chat. And remember, the real crime is knowing cannabis can help others, but doing nothing about it.